0: good afternoon good evening wherever you are in the world it's Grant Cameron and I have a good friend of mine on today uh, a guest uh, Neil Gower who um, I've been with a number of times he runs conferences he'll get into uh, what he does why it's important and why I love him and at the very end if you uh, um, are gonna stick around you need to or if you can't stick around at least replay the end because Neil's going to do some poetry for us And I, uh, two things in school I hated, one was poetry, but I (laughs) love Neil Gower's poetry, and the other one I hated was Shakespeare, and I now basically quote the famous uh, line from Shakespeare, all the world's a stage, all the men and women, aliens and and angels are but actors, they have their entrances and exits, and each man plays many roles. And I came to suddenly realize that maybe Shakespeare knew something that uh, we're just starting to discover now. Uh, Welcome, Neil, from California, correct, you're still in California?
1: Uh, thanks, brother. I'm actually in Yucatan right now, Mexico.
0: Oh, you are? Yeah, I've wow. been there for four that, months. Wow. is that? Uh, tell me why that is. What's going on there?
1: So, well, I love this area. I love um, Playa del Carmen area and just the Mayan pyramids. So I've been coming down here every year for the last five years and filming ancient sites and creating documentaries for Portal to Ascension YouTube. So this time, um, because of all the craziness going on in the U.S. and all the restrictions in California, I decided to come to a place where... I'm in paradise, you know, and there's a lot more open people with less restrictions. So yep. I've been here. but by the time I leave, I would have been here for six months. Coming back wow. in like a month.
0: I was actually in Playa de Carmen. I'll kind of, tell, tell you a weird little funny story. I mean, if you ever mm. heard it, I, I went to um, on a cruise, and we were supposed to go into the the place across the uh, the channel there, but they had the big hurricane there, okay. and uh, so the, the 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 whole thing was wiped out. So we went into Playa de Carmen and. Um, we got off the cruise ship, went on the, the dock there and came to this the resort there. And uh, I'm sitting there all of a sudden here, Grant, Grant. I go, what, what? And I look and it's the I worked at the University of Manitoba and this was the head uh, carpenter. And, and his name is uh, Swan. I said, he says, what are you doing here? I said, what are you doing here? I couldn't believe it. You know, I come <laughs> to Mexico. And then uh, so we we chatted and uh, so we came back and I thought it was kind of weird that you'd meet somebody in Mexico that kind of the same place. So I, about a year later, he comes up. He says, "I saw you in Mexico again." I said, "I wasn't in Mexico." He said, "Yeah, you were," and I had done with uh, uh, Jaime Massan had done a uh, an interview with me, and oh. it was playing on Mexican TV. So he was at the resort the second year. Wow. And he's there and I'm on, he's like you're in Mexico again. So I'm familiar with Playa del Carmen, and it's uh it's a beautiful area. How long and ago was that,
1: that that you were down here?
0: Oh, that's going back. So I've been retired ten years. So that's probably twelve years ago. It was when the big hurricane took place, right after. Yeah,
1: So that was probably Cozumel, right? That you were going to. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and
0: uh, it was kind of weird to see the the power of nature to take out that uh, uh, concrete uh, deck. Uh, Yeah. You know, the dock. I couldn't believe it because we drew the ship went by it. You could see it, and it was just amazing. I just couldn't believe Mm -hmm. how much damage Mm -hmm. was done there. Wow.
1: Yeah, it's so beautiful here, and then I just like. I like to go to the beach, walk to the beach, and then I go to different ancient sites and pyramids. And every year, they're actually finding new things here because so much is um, underneath all the the trees in the jungle. Now they have LIDAR technology. So literally, like every year, they're finding a new city in the jungle. So it's it's constant content for for me to explore.
0: And you're doing that on your Portal to Ascension YouTube channel?
1: Yeah. Talk a little bit
0: about your organization, what you do, and and where people can find your stuff if they want to look this up.
1: So Portal to Ascension, uh, I'll just skip to right when it was created. In 2008, I created Portal to Ascension. I had it as an online group for two years before that. It was called 2012 Consciousness, Mind, Evolution, and Presence. And then in 2006, it was a Facebook group. Thousands of people started joining the group. So after a series of like shifts in my own consciousness and my own perspective from going from conspiracy theorists conspiracy factualist, let's say, to um, to um, spiritual and realizing the bigger picture. In 2008, I had a shift in which I was had a dream to change the name to Portal to Ascension. And then I changed the name and I started doing small events. I started with meditation events, sound healing events, um, hypnosis events to unlock creative potential. And then by 2009, 2010, I went on a few international tours from to Canada, to down to um, San Diego, doing events on sound healing, doing meditation events. But in 2010, I did my first all-day ancient alien conference because I was into extraterrestrials for like eight years. My first introduction to this information was the Sumerian tablets. So I was into ancient alien information. So I called on a few people that, you know, colleagues, people that we know in the circuit. And in 2010, I did an all-day ancient aliens conference. And from then onwards, like until 2012, I continued doing that small events, and then one larger conference until 2012, where I did uh, Cosmic Reunion 2012 in November, 2012, and then Cosmic Reunion 4th Density in March. And those are the two three-day conferences, kind of like the Portal to Ascension conference that you came to, just call something else. Um, Bashar was the headline at the first one. And it was me experimenting with all the people that had joined these Facebook groups. I wanted to see if I could create an event, fly out all these speakers, and if people would show up. So that was the milestone in 2012 for portal to ascension and then i just continued like getting doing bigger and bigger productions until 2015 where i created the online university that you're familiar with since you spoke on it so many times and then 2015 started with one event a month and then in 2018 it's been 110 events a year now at this point point. and basically every topic i've had the opportunity to think about that i wanted to learn about or that i have thought about but i haven't created an event yet I either have done an event on or I have it in the pipeline over the next few years. So we explore a lot of information. I would say around half of the information is deep dives into ancient history, but kind of redefining our timeline. What is that true world history? Where do we come from? What were the lies and manipulations in our history that took us away from the truth of ancient civilizations? But that directly connects to the extraterrestrial question. It also connects to our spirituality because when you look at these ancient civilizations, All of a sudden, you see that they had an advanced awareness of quantum energy, right? And they also had an advanced awareness of spiritual um, consciousness. And besides that, UFOs and everything has always been close to my heart, disclosing the truth of the extraterrestrial presence. So now I just curate and cultivate all these events every single year, going deep into topics that can really help expand people's consciousness and empower them to realize the beauty of who we are and how we can live in harmony with ourselves and the planet and that's all at portal2ascension.org and also on my YouTube, youtube.com slash portal2ascension.
0: And you have a lot of people when you, when you do your, your three-day events online mm-hmm. or whether you're doing them, you have like 40 people. So how do you know so many people? I mean, do you read? I mean, how do you, it seems like all, that, I learned a lot of the people that you had. I didn't yeah. know about them until I saw them on your site. So,
1: so I'm always researching, right? So from 2000 to, 2000 to 2008, I didn't do any events. I was just researching reading and going to events. So I made all these friends and connections and I would go up to speakers and ask for their emails and and even some of their numbers and then sometimes I would have dinner with them at the events. And so then they would recommend other people. So by the time 2008 hit, I had I knew a lot of people that were doing this information and I just started reaching out to them. But when I first got into doing events, I was really heavily into channeling and then I became more into research-oriented information and started going to conferences like um, you know, UFO events, um, ancient history summits, things like that. But I also have a part, because to Ascension, we're pretty much like a full-on conscious event production company. So part of that is a constant researching of new speakers. So I don't wanna keep having the same people over and over, So when I do big events like that, it gives me an opportunity to do a lot of research and bring on new people that I want to interview so I can get a feel for them to see if I want to put them into another event, maybe a paid event or an all day summit or something like that. And now for the last five years, because I've been doing so much, I have all types of people contacting me to be speakers. And they send me their books, they send me their videos, So there's a constant research going on. I even have individuals working for me that if I can't research them, they'll read the book or they'll watch the videos and then give me a summary on it. Just because I want to, Port of the Ascension, the mission for us is not only to get this awareness out, but to give people a voice um, that that are doing this work so that they can get their awareness out. So we're constantly asking for new people to come in and showcase the information on our platform.
0: Wow, uh, we'll get to you the, your upcoming events, but I wanna go back to um, pyramids. You mentioned pyramids. Have you watched the discussions I've been having with Jimmy Blachette? Do you know Jimmy Blachette?
1: I've heard of him, but I haven't watched your discussions, no, tell me. Oh,
0: okay, because um, he basically, he has the, um, he uses the 144 one four, uh, frequency. He's a radio guy, out of he's originally from Quebec, Canada. Okay. Moved to California, had his radio license when he was 12 years old and started bouncing signals off the moon and stuff like this. He got this massive array and uh, then decided he was going to send out a message and suddenly got back a message uh, and started this whole uh, non-human intelligence conversation. Hmm. And so it started, it started with him and they had these radio technologies. When I wrote um, Contact Modalities, I knew they had this radio technology. And he would have this thing where you would use these little eight watt radios and uh, they would get, uh, you know, put all put them on 144 and one of the radios would go off and it would start to chatter and the other was should be going off because they're all in the same frequency. Yeah. So he developed this whole sort of technology and I've sort of followed him. I've done a number of interviews with him. And he has, I think, I, I say, I always say to him when I interview him, he's, I say, he's like Albert Einstein. It's like, you think you're talking, he's the smartest guy I've ever seen in my life. Wow. And, and this thing's unraveling. And now he's got, he goes to the pyramids. So it's the connection of all the ancient sites. The last one, I'll send you the, the uh, video that we did with the last one with him, where he takes all the ancient sites around the world and mm-hmm. he links it in and he shows the mathematics behind this. It's unbelievable Whoa. how he okay. linked all this stuff together. And then we put them together with um, uh, Gary uh, um, Oldham from uh, the Rendlesham Forest. He had the whole thing with the Rendlesham message. And that all links into the pyramids as well. Wow. And then the, the third person is uh, Sarah uh, Cosme. I don't know if you, she was speaking at mm-hmm. Paul's event a couple months ago, which has on, been on Gaia a few times. And she's a QHHT practitioner, uh, yeah. actually a level three. She's one of the, there was only 12 when she got it she actually helps them train uh the the she has been around the world and stuff and she started writing this book she had the, the experience that Bar, that um, um uh dolores cannon had you remember the one with uh nostradamus where she's she's got this mm-hmm. client and he, she's nostradamus is talking and then the client moves to um uh, uh um alaska she says, mm-hmm. oh, that game's over. And next client walks in, continues mm-hmm. the story. Next yeah. client walks in, tells the story. And Sarah had the same story, story, but it had to do with Atlantis. So these Atlantis. people started coming in one after another and they're telling the story about Atlantis. Yeah. And her last one was on the Sphinx where the woman wow. uh, comes in and she starts and talking about the Sphinx. So suddenly yeah. we've got these three people and I'm interviewing these people and they're all connected. We put them together on email where they're all on this thing where they've got this mathematical connection. And basically the idea sort of comes down is that we're being given this sort of message and it's not like everything's just going to be an et message where it says hey we're going to land on the white house lawn and we're going to eat yeah. you or whatever you know a, a left brain message and it's not it's like the message in contact where it says really heavy mathematical thing where you got to figure it out and jimmy blanchett's even got it down to he can actually determine with this mathematics the distance to the planets all the planets are yes. actually at the right distance according to this mathematics and the speed of the galaxies, and he goes through this whole thing. It's just, and you're just like, how do you come up with this? Wow. stuff? Wow, unbelievable! So, yeah, if you're ever going to do one on pyramids, those are the people. Well, I'll, I'll send. I you do an annual
1: list. conference called the Pyramid Knowledge Conference. It's my Very second powerful. year doing it. So, yeah, I would love to connect with them. Actually, yeah, I'll, I'll send
0: good. you some of the material. There was we actually did one with uh, with Gary as well about, and he sort okay. of gave up because um, he had done the, you know, he did the book with um, with Peniston. Uh On the the whole message about the seven points around the earth and stuff like that, and it was when you have read the end of the the Rendlesham Enigma, it's all this mathematics, and Mm -hmm. your you know your eyes will sort of roll back, and and you can tell this you know the the size of the pyramid and which way it's facing, and and Mm -hmm. how it's linked with everything else in the world and these seven sites and stuff, and um, so he sort of gave up because people he it was very hard to explain because there's so much mathematics. Well, Jimmy's is the same sort of thing. It's like the the thing from contact, the message where yeah. you got to sit there and you got to figure it out. And and as you unravel, it becomes more. Uh, and Gary said he's actually got two more books just on the mathematics of that message that Jim Pennison got by putting his hand on the craft at runs in the forest. Wow. And you see that they're, they're, there's this weird contact, but it all links back into the pyramids, which I never really paid any attention to. I figured like, yeah, yeah it's pretty weird. And they probably had some stuff, whatever, but how did yeah. it link into UFOs? Now I'm seeing... That they're basically showing this link to uh, the pyramids and to it all the ancient move. sites. When Jimmy did the last one with mm-hmm. all the ancient sites, your just your mouth is hanging open. And then we have the synchronicities when uh, Nicole Sackage and I were doing it. So Nicole was running it on her channel, and then um, when we we looked at the uh, the channel when we were running it, it had she had one thousand four hundred forty subscribers, which is one four four. Yeah. And then Jimmy sends me the message in my thing, and he 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 says, look at this and he was putting the 144th message in my file on the same uh, day. <laughs> so that's you, crazy. you see this stuff and you go like, wow, this is pretty
1: weird. Yeah, 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 that's amazing. So I just did a presentation. Uh, I did a deep dive research study into Pythagoras and his life. So I did a, a four hour presentation on portal to Descension recently. And part of it was to really dissect who he was as an individual, but where he got his information from, right? Wow. Because we say Pythagorean theorem, we give him all this credit, right? And, um, firstly, so, so a lot of people really have kind of an anger towards Pythagoras because they're like, well, he didn't find out all, all this information. So why is, why did he say it was his, well, firstly, he never said that it was his information. He actually said where he got the information from and his followers that came after him after he died were the only ones that said it was from him. Kind of like Jesus, Jesus spoke about everywhere he went, but then when he died, people were like, oh, it's all Jesus's information. So as I was dissecting it and looking at where Pythagoras got his information from, it took me to ancient India. It took me to Babylon and um, the Pythagorean theorem literally written in Babylonian text and to the pyramids of Egypt. And so I did this whole deep dive, like maybe an hour of that presentation was specifically the mathematics of Egypt and showing about not only how many stones are in one pyramid, but if you were to align the pyramids next to each other, what it would create like, if you get the three pyramids on the Giza Plateau and you line them up one, two, three, right, just yeah. next to each other, it's the Pythagorean theorem. It's the exact Pythagoras, um, um, A squared plus B squared equals C squared. If you go to the Temple of Siren and you look at the distance from the Siren to the Great Pyramid, and then a, a specific equinoxes, like summer solstice and equinox and so on and so forth, and then you divide it by 432, which is another number you get with within the... Um, circumference of the pyramid you get the 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 circumference of earth you know so it was almost like um egypt like honestly seems to be a mathematical layout of all the information we need to rebuild society in case there is a wipeout of everything like all the equations all the mathematics to create it so when he took this information then he was his information was then hijacked by the occultists Um, secret societies and then they utilize his information in order to create societies and civilization as we know it including how we create bridges how we create arches but all of this came from pyramid technology and the mathematics of how these were created including let me say one more thing the pyramid um, the angle of the pyramid is actually the same angle as the tilt of earth 23.5 degrees which is another like amazing thing how did they know this information were they spiritually connected was it extraterrestrials that gave this information? Was it a past civilization like Atlantis that passed it down? No matter which way you look at it, it's something profound, right? Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is what uh, uh, Gary brings that up to 23.5, which when I saw it, I said, holy cow, that's a triple harmonic frequent, uh, triple Schumann's resonance. Mm. And if, you, if you're familiar well, with the Bankston healing, yeah. when a person goes into healing, when they, they put the brain scan on, and uh, they, they realize there's a triple harmonica. 7 point, 7.8, a15, and then the 23, mm-hmm. and that the, the, the brains of the person being healed and the, the train, the, the healer go into sync. Sing- and they've actually got this on tape. They actually go into this synchronicity. At, at one point when the person is being healed, so twenty three point five, and Jimmy gets into that as well, the the diameter of the earth and stuff, and it's yeah. almost like the, it's almost like mathematics, like people describe mathematics as um, sort of like the the, the 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 everything's built on mathematics, but mathematics is just symbolic of this very finely tuned universe that yeah. when you when you break it all down all the formulas are going to be very short and simple because mm-hmm. it's just showing these relationships that everything is is not a random world like we think it is it's very yeah. carefully tuned exactly. and people are starting to pick this up so maybe you can uh I, you even have these people on for you know yeah i would love to well you they, just said a
1: really great word because you said mathematics but then you said tuned because the musical intervals tuning and mathematical intervals are one and the same. So the mathematics is like, um, is looking at it from the masculine based linear world, right? And then the music yeah. is looking at it from more of a secular nature. No one is better than the other. It's just like a feminine w- way and a masculine way to look at yeah. the same thing, which is why it's called universe. It's one verse, it's one frequency, one song, you know?
0: And, and Jimmy, you got that as well. Like he decoded one of the messages coming back because that's the first thing you think when you hear these messages coming across the radio is like, well, wh- what are they saying? Because he'll send a signal, he's learned to take, take, make it into a, a, a take a photograph or something and put it into an audio signal and send it out yeah. on his big uh, uh, set in California there. And uh, but when it came back, he decoded the one and it had eight tones. And as soon as I saw that, mm. I said eight tones, that's like a, like a musical scale. I mean yeah and you see all these connections wow. where it's just one synchronicity after another. Yeah. and he's got the other one where he actually um, they have these little chirps that come across. And then he had a, um, he, he mentions a very famous writer was at his place in California, and he was saying to, they had a, an encounter with a being, and he said to the, this guy said to the being, he said, how do we decode this message, how do we code Jimmy's message, and he said, Slow it down as much as you can, and that's the contact <laughs> thing. That's how they did the contact thing. The message—it's ah. like you, you're listening to the message, but you don't realize. So Jimmy's decoded one of these messages, and now he's working on trying to decode this other message. What these chirps, Whoa. and he actually shows them at a very slow speed, and you can actually see that each chirp is different. The 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 peaks and the valleys are different on each chirp, and so it's got a lot of information. We just haven't figured out what 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 this message is telling us. Okay, so and he so- decoded
1: one of them. So yep. deco- does what yep. does it say
0: well it has these eight tones that's what it okay, is it's okay. eight, it's eight okay. tones that come across. And um uh, so he takes the eight tones and then he starts using the mathematics of the eight tones, he multiplies one against the other, gets the speed of light, he multiplies one against the other, the mm. diameter, diameter of the earth, and, and all these tones, and they're all linked. When you start looking at all these tones, it explains everything in the universe. All these tones, and well, wow. I'll send you the videos and you can check this out because it's i when I when every time I see him, I say, like, man, this is like talking to Einstein. It's it's like right. watching history being written. That he's he's it's and so they would get in maybe give me ask you this question. It comes into this thing about inspiration. Yeah. I mean, you talked about this, where you've had these inspirations where you're told, you know, what the name of the channel will be. I yeah. wrote contact modalities, and I believe very strongly in that maybe you can talk a little bit about that, about this idea that we think we're the smart guys we are figuring this stuff out. And we are actually getting help.
1: Yeah, well, a great example of that is when you look at ancient history, and you look at specific times when great minds were on the planet, there were multiple great minds all around the planet that had the same kind of ideas you know, like um, Pythagoras time. Well, there was like four other people on the planet, including Buddha that all had same ideas of reincarnation. Right. So that goes to the whole thing of maybe this information's in the ethers and it could be multiple things, not only the cycles of time, the evolution of consciousness, the devolution, the position of our solar system in the galaxy, the rate, the frequencies coming from the central sun, the black hole in the center, all of these can contribute to different levels of information and awareness being you know, in the field around us. So I feel that when we get to certain levels, it's a collective download that we can all tap into. And another great example would be, um, you know, let's talk about Pythagoras for one more second. Pythagoras was into consciousness, and spirituality and vibration being God and mathematics being God. Then Christianity came along. Christianity started um, hijacking his information and the Knights Templar and the secret societies were the only ones that utilized it. And then Kepler and Galileo came along that were anti-church and anti-spirituality because of what they'd done. Um, So they were neo pythagoreans without the spirituality, right? And, and But they all happened around the same time, but they had, they were atheists about it. And then all of a sudden we get to 1900, which is technically the end of the Kali Yuga, the, the Dark Ages and the beginning of the Energy Age, which is the Dwarpa Yuga, the Bronze Age. And then all of a sudden we have Max Planck, Tesla, and Einstein. All individuals that helped us understand the quantum reality, but all spiritual consciousness, right? And happening separate from each other. Even with Tesla, there was another individual that had the same equations that Tesla was coming up with on the other side of the planet, but was only a few days off from publishing it, you know? So there's definitely a collective um, download that we receive. So for me, when the whole download for Portal to Ascension came in 2008, it was like a 20-year package, like in one. Marketing plans, business plans, how many events I'm going to do, what's the eventual goal, what's going to happen? And I'm a skeptic at heart. It takes a lot for me to even realize that. It took me a good decade, maybe till 2018, until I finally owned that that actually even happened to me. Right. But not, the more that I'm owning that is actually happening, I'm getting this direct download of it, the more I'm able to implement it um, with comfort and ease and flow right into it. So I feel that I'm constantly getting these downloads. And it's just basically levels of awareness that I'm tapping into in order to give me the tools that I need so I can create what really needs to be created right now for the planet.
0: So you would believe in mission then, in terms of your being here at this time, this place for some particular mission yeah i feel
1: i feel that is the case but i'm also very into much into the paradox that even just being and not having a specific mission of what you do is also part of the mission because i feel that source right wanted to experience itself infinitely infinite experience and a good experience or a bad experience is still just an experience in the scheme of source right so no matter what you are what you do whether you're working at a a nine-to-five job Or if you're doing something actively like this, in the grand scheme of the singularity of the oneness, you're doing exactly what you need to do. Now, because we're going through this cycle of awareness and this ascension, a lot of individuals are incarnating to play the role for this awakening. And that's part of my my mission on this planet. And this kind of goes back to Dolores Cannon's information of when um, there was a call out to the universe, she said, after the first nuclear bomb um, test, right? The splitting of the atoms started affecting all types of Um, different realms and then there was a call out to the universe and the call out was these people are going to destroy themselves and they could even destroy other beings and other dimensions unless you incarnate onto this planet so i really subscribe to that kind of information that a lot of people started coming here on the planet to make an active to take an active role in helping us move away from a destructive nature and start helping us move towards being in harmony with nature
0: so, so what, how do you see it? I mean, we have this, uh, you know, war going on now. I mean, are yeah. you optimistic? Or how, how do you see it unfolding?
1: I'm, I, I like to say I'm a hopeless hopeful. No matter what <laughs> happens, I cannot help but be hopeful. I see when I see chaos, I see opportunity. When i see struggle i see the ability to um learn from our lessons you know when i see darkness i see the contrast we need to achieve the light so right now since there is a lot of traumas on this planet collective traumas past life traumas um, a lot of power and greed these things can't sustain our experience on this planet anymore so part of that is not going to just be roses and unicorns as they say right we're going to probably see a lot of darkness before we see the light and hopefully, it's not in a way where there's mass deaths or anything, and that we can do it from more of a harmonic, harmonic perspective of self-realization, um, but I don't really know how it's going to look. So when I see all of this stuff happening in the world right now, people having the opportunity to really reflect on what they really want and, and how they want to live. So with this war and everything, even though like I see it and I'm looking at it neutrally to see what's going to actually occur from this, I do believe that the eventual goal is going to be the ascension of humanity. And the reason why I believe that is not only because of my own intuition and my own feeling, but also looking at all the ancient scriptures that talk about this time. Many different cultures have all talked about the resurrection of the Messiah within us, you know, and if you look at the cycles of time, like the golden age and all that, that every ancient pre-flood, pre-Noah's flood civilization had within their texts, they all talk about these cycles. And there's only one civilization that actually had the dates, and that's the Indian civilization that had the dates of these shifts. And in between, if you look at the, the cycle and the dates on this calendar that they have, you can look at exactly what happened at those specific dates, and it's almost like something huge occurred at those times. So what happens at the end of the Kali Yuga and the beginning of the next Yuga is a period of wars, wars, right? And the Kali Yuga ended in 1900, and it fully ends by the end of this century, and we're having all these great wars. So I feel a part of this is um, just the process that we're going through in order to really realize what we want. One thing I'm hopeful for is that we used to exist in a world where we were in this world of hierarchy and authority where we'd give up our power to authority we lived in this hierarchical reality we've now stepped into a world of sovereignty and individuality and part of that i feel will make it that we have the freedom of our own consciousness enough to not be completely controlled and go down a pathway that is for the the hierarchical structure for the authority structures like we've been doing for the last thousands of years so to answer your question even more concisely i'm extremely hopeful i feel that eventually i don't know how long it's going to take five years ten years a hundred years but i feel that we're on this upturning consciousness
0: yeah uh, have, you, have you ever had paul selig uh speak for your
1: i've just well you mentioned him at our last event and then i connected with him on instagram and now i'm going to have him this wow. year sometime because of Yeah, your... because
0: he he talks yeah. about the fact that 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 in order to have the shift, you have to, uh, all that's been built in fear has to be raised to the surface. It's like unru- you know, yeah. lifting the rock and the little creeper collars come out that you can't, you can't, you can't, uh, it, people are almost like they're, they're um, what would be the word? Um, they're not proactive, they're reactive. So exactly. it, not until something happens to you, do you learn the lesson. Until yes. then, everybody's just going. Let me ask you a question, but you talk about sovereignty and individual. Um, how, how do you distinguish, break that from ego, where we have a situation where, like I, I always describe it as a football game, where yeah. you know when, you, when you're in a, a, a huddle and you're playing in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. you know when the 10 players are all on the same page and they're, we're going to go, but when you got five guys inside the huddle have got their middle finger up and saying, don't tell me what to do, I'm yeah. an individual, how do you separate individuality from the, the moving together as one? That's
1: such a good question, because that's exactly what I was thinking, too. So let's we got to break down the ages now. So the Kali Yuga started in 700 BC. It ended in 1700 BC. In, the, in between every single age, there's a 200-year transitory period. The age of the Kali Yuga, the age of authority, the age of hierarchy, and the age of delusion. Okay. The theme of um, the Dwarpa Yuga, the next age, is the age of individuality, sovereignty, and um ideological communities society starts breaking down people start creating communities based on ideology but the last one is the age of energy so we're at the beginning phases of understanding energy great example electricity quantum physics even better example you and i are made out of energy and what can we do with that so we're at the beginning of that so what also happens with the individuality at the beginning of this age by the time this age is over which is hundreds of years from now we master being an individual But in the beginning, we start seeing a little bit of kickback because our individuality kind of goes hand in hand with our ego and people fight for the individuality, even when they don't really need to. And it actually goes against the collective good, right? So that is exactly what happens in the beginning. And what I would say to that is that it's probably going to happen right in the beginning. But what will happen eventually as we continue to move forward with this sovereignty is we'll eventually master it. I don't know how long it's going to take. But at this point, um, we're kind of in the learning phases of what it means to be a sovereign being and how to be um, connected to the collective good, how to support others and to work with others, but also be an individual. That is the balance that we need to find. Because humans, we tend to react and we tend to go on extremes. We're on one side or the other. So how do we embrace both of them? And this goes to the whole concept of singularity versus duality. Singularity is the oneness duality is the experience of polar opposites right what i feel our goal is on this planet is to embody the singularity while we exist in a world of duality and if we embody the singularity we come from a place of balance and part of not having those situations like you outlined is doing the collective work working on our traumas why do we react um what is our emotional triggers what happened to me as a child all these different things that we bring to the surface and start healing will get us to a point that we can be sovereign beings without having the ego get involved.
0: Can, can we help others or are we just on our own path in terms of uh, you know, how, how things go? Because sometimes we, yeah. I, I was just reading somebody's comment today that they're all upset that they can't change the world or whatever. And then you hear a lot of the spiritual teachers basically saying, no, yours is a silent path. Yours is to get your thing and be the example. So yeah. uh, where do you come down on that?
1: So I'm, I'm a walking paradox because I believe in both, right? But at, but at the same time, like I do really go with that you cannot truly love and give unless you truly love and give to yourself. And then, you know, religions and belief systems has made it that it's almost selfish to do that. So yeah. we can help others. But you really can't unconditionally help others without expectations, without reacting to them, unless you've done that work that makes it like that. How can you give unconditionally without the expectation if they change or not? Because a lot of people who haven't done their own inner work, say your family, for example, you're like, you want your family to change, you haven't done the inner work, and you're just like, well, this is what's happening. Look what they're doing to us. Look at the conspiracy that's going on with all these things in the world. You need to change, right? That kind of response will only probably get that kind of reaction back to you, where people aren't really, really ready to accept and understand it. So if you do your your own inner work, and you come to a place of peace, and you're able to explain it from a place of peace, you give them the opportunity to to really understand what you're saying. However, with that being said, you can never change anybody, people need to do it themselves. You don't know what kind of work that they've done themselves. Um, You don't know if they, um, their purpose on earth this time is to awaken like that. So all you can do is give information unconditionally, without expectation, and then just let people be and have their own experience about it. That's how I feel. Yeah.
0: I, I think you're right there. That's, I have the same thing where we we struggle to do it, and yet that's why God created pain or the because usually people won't move until it all falls apart. Like we have a situation yeah. now where, you know, it's 50, 50. I mean, there's 50 I'm on this side, 50, you can't vote in, in Congress to go to the bathroom. I mean, they, they can't do anything. And you wonder how do you move? Cause people are moving into their own corners. And that's yeah. where this sort of um, it has to sort of fall apart before it, it builds up again, where we're sort of thinking yes. that, you know, so I, I sort of agree with you and that's the um, it's a hard thing to live with. But the the idea that you that 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 in the end you die by yourself and you 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 don't get judged with everybody else you just get judged as to you know how, how you did and what you did and that you plan to come in and that's basically what I say to people is that you planned to come into the world probably for some reason and yeah. uh, all you got to do is figure out what you're supposed to be doing and it really doesn't matter what anybody else is doing because you know it's it's your it's your purpose to come in you didn't you know, you just do what you can. And uh, yeah. so I, I appreciate what you're doing. Cause you're doing an awful lot of material. Let's talk about some of the stuff that's coming up for you. Cause you, yeah. you have a lot of people talk about the following that you have the number of, um, you know, people that you get, of you get huge numbers at events. So you've, you've sort of reached out there and you're getting the word out.
1: Yes. So some of the upcoming events going on is um, well, every year that passes, I feel like we get more ambitious with our productions, you know, because um, <laughs> definitely um, connecting with more people and collaboration, because I really believe in collaboration over competition. The, the energy of inclusion is much more um, solid of a frequency than that, that of exclusion. The elite that know the information we know, extraterrestrials, and you go deep into this awareness in your past with all the things that they know. They come from the energy of secrecy and exclusion. We're coming from the fact that it's for everyone. So that vibration in itself, I feel, is what we need in order to move forward within humanity. So as every year passes, I bring on more and more people and I start producing events because I create 110 events a year. That's not even including my podcast and free YouTube shows. And um, within that, now I have certain people that I'm working with that help me co-produce events like the annual Hybrids Conference, which is a, a, a two-day event every year on hybrid extraterrestrials, the annual Starseed Summit, the annual Walkins Conference, which is a two-day event every year on Walkins. right? And then there's another five or six that are co-productions like that. This year, I started a series with my good friend, Sharia Dharma, in which I'm doing an ancient civilization every single year because I used to do um, true world history conferences, right? True world history, meaning just like a bunch of amazing historians and alternative historians on what our true history is. But now after years of doing this work and getting such a huge following, I'm able to do specific topics all day. So we just did ancient Sumerian Mesopotamia conference last week. So all day, 10 hour event just on Sumerian scriptures in Mesopotamia. And um, next, next weekend, this coming weekend, um, I don't know if you know Robert Edward Grant, but he's a really great um, pyramid awareness guy in ancient Egypt, um, the Hurtax, um, Paul Wallace and uh, William Henry and a few others. We're doing Ancient Egypt and the Extraterrestrial Connection online conference. And that's going to be a 10-hour event on March 5th. And then we also have, I'm just jumping all over the place, then I'll tell you about some upcoming ones. A part of my Ancient Civilization series is a two-day event in June called the the Indus Valley Civilization and Ancient India Online Conference. Two days, 10 to 12 hours a day of literally like the last 50,000 years of subcontinent Indian history. right Uh, from scriptures to migration routes to why is it that half of the indian gods are the exact same gods as greece gods zeus is indra athena is saraswati everything about them is the same their background their upbringing both of them come from mountains you know so that kind of exploration really going deep into the connections and that goes to my all my original purpose of creating portal to ascension to find the root of everything <laughs> where we all came from and part of that is the root of all religion because if you track these religions back to original source you see that we were like within the same tribes and then something happened where the tribe split off and they took the pantheon of gods to different places right so that one i'm extremely excited about because as you probably know i'm indian so i've always wanted to know what my own roots are and as i've been exploring my own roots all I found is that there's so many controversial topics within that because of racism and white supremacy that um, when people start talking about the migration routes of India and how we connected to Greece, there's a lot of people that get very angry very quickly because they think that if you're saying this theory, that means you are pro-Aryan and you're saying that um, we only became civilized because of the white man. If you believe this theory, then you are kind of proving that Everything came from India and nothing came out of Africa. So I'm just rambling here just about some thoughts. But um, so in this conference, this two-day conference, we're going to explore every theory that we can get our hands on in order to really kind of decipher what happened in that area of of India.
0: Wow. Yeah. And
1: then uh, let me talk about a few more. So William Henry, Awakening the Pearl two-day workshop. He's doing his online event, his annual event that's in person. He's doing it online on April 23rd, April 24th. This weekend, I am doing, on Saturday, that's tomorrow, I'm doing my Galactic Origins, Dimensions, and Black Holes, and this presentation is a three-hour presentation that eventually ends in the galactic story and the seeding of humanity, but the whole of it before that is breaking down dimensions, uh, frequencies, the theories behind time travel, and a huge part is introducing you to the Milky Way galaxy, how the Milky Way galaxy rotates, how solar system is within that, what happens to our solar system in different positions within our galaxy, what the real distance is from the black hole in the center of our galaxy. Um, And then also all these anomalies of what's occurring in our galaxy that you may have not have realized. Uh, For example, that we've been colliding with a galaxy called the Sagittarius dwarf galaxy for over 2 billion years and that galaxy could actually be where Earth and our solar system originated from, and then got absorbed into Milky Way. So that's going to be tomorrow. It's a very profound um, presentation.
0: You're doing that for presentation?
1: Yeah. yeah, I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: you're yeah. as smart yeah. as Jimmy Blachette.
1: <laughs> Basically, it's <laughs> it's my like this. I've always wanted to do a galactic origins presentation, but I'm so linear minded as well and scientific oriented. I wanted to provide a lot of science behind our Milky Way and our galaxy to kind of funnel us into the story about galactic origins to give it more credibility so after I do all of that information then I spend 30 minutes going through government documents a lot of which that you showcased um basically proving that this is a reality and then the last 30 minutes is all the esoteric information of the Lyrans the Syrians the Pleiadians the the fractalization from source and all of that basically to lead up to that information yeah it's going to be cool um, then we have mysticism and indigenous healing, which is next weekend as well. We have Marina Saran, who I'm not sure if you've connected with her yet, but Alan's been doing a lot with her. She's doing a workshop called Make Contact with Extraterrestrials, which are basically tools and techniques to contact ET life. And she's a, a hybrid that has been in communication with many different ET races. She's only so 21 years old. You an idea
0: which kind of contact modality she uses, because I'm...
1: Here, let me see if I can find it on this page. And I'll, if you want, if you can not attend the event live, I'll give you the replay too, because yeah. it would probably be really beneficial for your research. But she's an upcoming pers- um, person in this community that is just like, she's from Spain. Okay. And um, she's just known her about her life and her past lives and the ET lives for the last five years or so, since she was like 17, 16. Wow. So it doesn't say the tools here. It says, how to develop discernment in your navigation towards ET contact how to identify and let go what might be blocking you from contact, guide on how to be a diplomat in, in an encounter or contact experience, what to expect in an encounter, and tools to manifest ED contact. Wow. That's what that one's about. Incredible. Yeah, and then I'll just mention a couple more here because the best way, everybody, to find out what we're doing is go to portal online events. There's a bunch of events lined up there. And if you want, you can just go to our website, sign up, portal2acenture.org, sign up right there, and you immediately get access to 3,000 hours of free presentations, right? And wow. it's sorted by speaker. You know, Grant is on there as well. And sorted by speaker and topic, uh, hundreds of different topics. And you can really kind of get a feel for what we're what we're doing here. And then I'll just mention one other one. Oh, this one's cool. And you like this one, brother. So, um, you know, as you know, I'm into ETs and UFOs. But um, I've always wanted to do one on people that knew about ET races, and they can talk about planets and the technology of ET planets. So I'm doing one called Extraterrestrial Races, Planets, and Technology, and that's going to be on March 26th. And I'll tell you who's on it because you know some of these people. Dan Winter is going to talk about. Um, theoretical physics, in which we can basically use what we're doing right now on Earth in order to be able to do things that we know will eventually take us to other planets. Geraldina Roscoe, who's going to talk about DNA hybridization, the science behind it. Phil Gruber, who's going to talk about the root races. Barbara Lamb, who's going to talk about people that have had ET experiences in incarnations. Mary Rodwell is going to talk about the children and their experiences um, as different beings in different planets. Joan of Angels is co hosting with me. Um, jenna Layden, she's going to talk about 30 different et races and where they're from in the solar in a galaxy and then adam apollo and alan steinfeld so that's going to be an incredible um, event as well
0: yeah it would be interesting because i'm just coming out with a book called the, the ufo sky pilots i, I deal oh, yeah? with the three dozen people who have flown the craft and oh, it's yeah. almost like barbara lamb got um um you know she had the the experience where they said listen carefully you're gonna be doing this as if she was set there and uh mary rodwell got all the kids with the uh the that can speak light language and stuff yep. like that and i got all the people who fly the, the flying saucer so i've got that book will be out shortly so it's, so these, it's are, kinda, these are these uh, are military officials no these are uh experiencers uh Chris oh, oh, there's i do have okay. one u.s air force retired colonel out of uh la that came after uh, we did an event at orange county Mm-hmm. And um, they he wasn't at the lecture, but he came to that dinner after and they said, David, David, tell grand about you flying the flying saucer. I said, you flew it? He said, yeah, it was a dream. I said, everything's just a dream. Tell me. And he went through the whole thing. I've got a 747 United Airlines pilot, uh, uh, just piles of people that all, all basically came to me. And it all started with the consciousness thing where I gave the consciousness lecture. Uh, there was a woman in Phoenix, Arizona, where they set me up with her. I thought Mm -hmm. she was totally crazy when she told me she likes in her seventies that she was flying the craft. I said, come on. Like, like, and then suddenly all these people started coming to me one after another, Melinda Leslie had a couple that she had dealt with and, um, it's, it's kind of a a unique sort of thing. Almost like I was, I was the one who was supposed to put it out. So it it didn't take me very long. I just, uh, put all these people together and, but, um, yeah, it's interesting, uh, development um in terms of the technology and where we're going with this you know hopefully it's used for the right purposes and not for um building bombs although i I even looking at the present situation with with the war i mean if even you had big huge flying saucers what are you going to do i mean there's nothing you can really do now you know you lost a war against stone age tribe and uh, it's it doesn't matter what kind of technology you have anymore the world's a different place you really can't in many ways you can't use that technology yeah, unless you're yeah. really going to go to war but uh people aren't going to do that anymore
1: are you talking about like reverse engineer technology utilized for war
0: yeah well that's i think that's where they're going with it i mean that's where you get you know uh, the whole ptsa thing they're, they're not interested because i asked a number of people on the on the circuit like for example chris butzel's got 15, 15, 15 videos and photographs i said did they contact you for your videos because they're saying oh we need these videos we need all this data and stuff yeah no nope, didn't contact me and then i interviewed deborah cobble who was the, the this, this from the intruders she's the behind the book intruders okay and her file was actually sold to bigelow from john carpenter so i said did they talk talk to you nope didn't talk to me so they're not they're they're basically dealing with military people because they can't get they can't use people's files like personal files you can't spy spy on american people but that's basically where they're going i mean that's why they were at skinwalker ranch they're not interested in in ufos they were interested in how do you put bulls inside trailers how do you make stuff disappear and reappear and yeah and all this kind of stuff and they're looking at the military applications of this stuff and it's uh, like the same as remote viewing they didn't really care whether it worked or not the thing was was it operational can we use it for military purposes right. otherwise we're not interested in it
1: yeah, yeah. So it's all about weaponization. And that goes to, you know, when Tom DeLong first came out, my first thing was why are they talking about who's driving these vehicles and exclusively skipping over to the technology? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's and why in, you in shifted America, to as well. You shifted into really being about the experiencer because that's where the, the conversation really needs to be at is what's going on. And what the, what does this mean for the grand scheme of who we are on this planet?
0: Yeah. That's where I think it all comes down to. I'm even just about to do a, a little uh powerpoint where i deal with um uh now i'm gonna forget her name uh, 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 ingrid um she's a, a works for nasa and the navy and okay. she had a near-death experience when she's three years old and mm. what she described she says she was there and she fell into a pool of water and drowned and and her mother pulled her out and whatever but she said i suddenly realized i could go anywhere instantaneously i was in the the maids room then i saw my mother and then i saw this dog i said oh look at the dog boom she was instantly with the dog and then she saw this park oh she was instantly at the park and that's exactly what chris bledsoe said chris bledsoe said the way it works when he's flying the craft he says you look at a cloud and you look at the cloud and you say i'd like to go to the cloud and the cloud is suddenly right at you it's like it comes to you Mm. and it's this idea and, and or um ron johnson was another experience i talked to where he said they said where would you like to go?" He said, I'd like to see the Milky Way from a distance. They said, hang on. Wow. He said it was less than one second. He said, looked out the window and they saw the Milky Way from a distance. Yes. And that's this whole thing. When you see the near-death experience literature and the out-of-body experience literature, it's the same thing. People are describing 360 degree vision or Ron Johnson when he when he was in the um, he was talking about the 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 being, LB is the being that that he was dealing with, took him to see his mother in the spirit world three times and the third time he could actually see her and his mother's taken him for a tour of the spirit world and he goes to this um sort of like it looks like a, a temple a mormon temple at nephi utah and he said i went into the building he said his mother said when you come you're going to get a room in one in this in building like this i have a room my your father has a room whatever and he and he said i walked in he said it was like 10 or 100 times the size inside the building was as outside. I said, well, wow. that's exactly what Chris Buzzo said. Yeah. That's exactly what Terry Lovelace said about inside the craft. Yep, so the I thing is, that, is, yeah. are you in a craft? Are you in the spirit world? And you mm-hmm. start to realize that's the important part. It's not the technology. It's like, what happens at death? Where did we come from? Why are we here? Where are we going? That's what's the important part.
1: Mm. And that goes with non-locality, right? The whole theory of quantum physics is that one piece of information can be accessed anywhere in the universe. So our consciousness is non-local as well. And Ray Hernandez talks a lot about this, so that when you get into that state, that astral state, that spirit state, all things exist in the same moment. So you can just basically... And I feel because I'm really interested in the technology of how they get here, right? And from the nuts and bolts to um, light ships and all those things. But I've heard some experiences talk about the technology where they can just dematerialize and just relocate in specific areas in the solar system because their consciousness is at such a level that distance isn't even within their reality. It's all happening at the same time in one moment, in one place. And all you have to do is just reprogram your consciousness to go to wherever you need to go
0: yeah and that's what this um this um girl that works for she's an oceanographer phd that's what she said when she was in the experience time and space completely disappeared and so the question is if time and space doesn't exist Mm -hmm. and how big is the universe is there Mm -hmm. actually planets out there in far away in space through and takes a long time or if there's no time and space it's what she said it's all here, it's all now, it's all the same thing. And it's this idea that it may be just a point in space, yeah. a singularity, and it's all happening within, or people will describe when they have near-death experiences or, they, or the out-of-body experiences, they're going within. They're not, and near-death experiences they are going yeah. within, or when you have your out-of-body experience, and you've you've dealt with hundreds of them, but when you look back and see your body, you can see your brain. You are an activity yeah. inside your consciousness, your awareness you're and that's when you start to look at this this whole thing and look past the ufo stuff and start looking at the near-death experience and the out-of-body experience you start to realize this thing is not what people think it is and that's what yeah. this um ingrid said she was told nothing that you see is what is really there it's all and it's this mm-hmm. idea is it a simulated universe is it and is this time and space exist and it's just so much more complex it that is. people sort of want. They, people want you know we want. give me give me the engine let's make some money let's you know uh, have some technology whatever and it's just so much more complex than that and i, and I think yeah. that's where your role and my role is very important is you move pat, people past that right. and start presenting this other stuff and you don't present it and say this is the way it is you just say well what about this and then yeah. people think <laughs> oh well that's you know and they right. start to think and that's That's what maybe changes things. And then it comes down to what Max Planck says, you know, the funeral, one funeral at a time, Mm -hmm. is that the young kids that the older people wouldn't believe this kind of stuff, but the young kids, when they say, is there teleportation, they go, Well, of course there is, you know, like they they're just used to it. So the old generation dies off and the new generation isn't offended with the idea and it becomes becomes adopted.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's so beautifully said. And that's what we're moving towards is just this understanding that we're all frequency and vibration and all things are possible. But my my question is, do you think it could be both that we have? Because it's almost like a computer program, like a video game, right? Say that we create a video game and in that video game, we're in space and you it takes you a certain amount of time to travel from one planet to another planet in that video game. But ultimately, that video game is just ones and zeros and frequency and code you know? So it's like when you're in that game, you can play the, the game of distance and traveling in time. Yeah. But then when yeah. you transcend it, out-of-body experiences, narrative experiences, um, psychedelics, meditation, whatever, um, or even contact the experiences, you transcend that. So who are we to even know if that transcendence is the true reality, or if they, that's even another fractalization from what really is going on? Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's, it, to me, it's kind of like both realities exist because this is real to me. Right. So yep. I got to go. I have to walk down to the grocery store if I want to get some food. So that's as real as this is. But when we transcend that, we have a different perspective.
0: Yeah. But but still, it's still still an activity inside consciousness. So when you die, yep. you suddenly go, oh, and that's what people will say. And probably half the people that, that speak at your conferences will say the basic concept is realize who you actually are. got to remember who you actually are we are not the actor on the stage we are playing an actor on the stage and that's a big difference where we sort of and yes, it's very real. The same as uh, this um, this girl, she said the same thing. She said it was it was. She happened when she was just before she was three years old. She said it was as, as more real than the real world. And so, yeah. if that dream is is more real than the real world or that experience, then what is this? I mean, because people right. will talk, talk about that all the time, psychedelics or out of body experience and stuff. That you're in the dream. This is and so it becomes this idea that it's all manifestation, or as Deepak Chopra says, everything's an activity inside consciousness. Right. And the, the whole the Maya idea, you know, from the from the Indian culture that you know it's it's, it's an magic. And and I didn't even realize when I wrote the book called Managing Magic, I sort of understood that what the CIA and all these people were dealing with was magic it wasn't just ufos because they had the weird desk and they were looking at paranormal phenomena and they were looking at all this other stuff and so i call it managing magic little little did i know that maya is the sanskrit word for for um for from magic Mm -hmm. and so this is the whole idea is that we we have these experiences and they are as real as real but then we sort of, and I had the idea that those experiences aren't real. They're just as real as these experiences. And that's what people will come back and tell you. And it just, to me, I always say like, when I look at it and I've done it for 46 years or whatever. And to me, the more I look at it, the more it looks like it gets more complex and more complex and more complex that it's gotta be at least a thousand times more complex than people people think it is. Mm -hmm. And, and it's just, you start to see the magnificence of, Of the world of of the universe of even you know a hundred trillion atoms making up a cell that has 3.2 billion base pairs that are programmed and people are saying it's all happening by accident it's like Mm -hmm. give your head a shake i mean it's just so complex (laughs) and so everything's got consciousness everything knows every little subatomic particle inside the the cell knows what it's going to do and the cell knows what it's going to do inside the body and there's 330 billion cells die in your body every day and we don't really give a shit it's only when are suddenly the ego cell is going to die then it's like oh my god Like, what we got to do that? <laughs> and we yeah. don't realize that there's 200 different cells and 330 billion a day are being replaced and dying and stuff and it's this massive process and this m- intelligence that's running this whole operation we just take it for granted because it's unconscious
1: yes oh my god so so well said so let me ask you this then as we all collectively move to this understanding of known locality that time is is not what you know is not linear but it's actually beyond that not even secular but doesn't even exist right secular is even just another construct of it all. So do you feel we can get to a point where we can navigate this matrix and have certain powers where we're able to dematerialize, rematerialize levitate all these different types of things that we yeah. see in ancient scriptures. Once we once we actually collectively get to a point of transcending this reality, but still exists within our bodies.
0: Sure, like because if it come if you go back to the idea everything is Maya. everything is illusion. Everything is vibration. Then if you understand the the source code, you can, you can do it. As Jesus said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain move and it will move and nothing will be impossible. And, and this, uh, this, uh, this, again, I go back to this because I've been listening to this girlfriend the last couple of days that um, um, Ingrid talked about the fact where she was in a situation where she was with her boyfriend and robbed her boyfriend and she disappeared. her boyfriend said you weren't here i'm I'm glad you weren't here she said i wasn't here no you weren't here when this thing happened and she asked the the she's dealing with uh energy beings and Mm -hmm. she has this idea everything is energy everything is beings and the idea that you you can turn into an alien or a human or whatever you want to do you can take on a form but your basic source and she said to them and she and they basically said the same thing you've got to realize everything is possible and because it's all Mm -hmm. made out of consciousness and that's where i've I've changed even the last year i now sort of believe god did not create the heaven and the earth that is a materialistic christian idea that god created this material physical world and then he put little souls in each one and 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 the the idea is god created the sparks of the divine and everything's made out of consciousness and you and i are the ones creating the universe we create the universe or if you've Mm. had mark mark i don't know if you have mark sims if you talk to him the, the being that comes to him um, comes to him and, and talks about these 15 levels that you start as, you know, something very simple and you go up and when you're finished, when you get this 15th level, you're creating galaxies. There are entities creating galaxies. Yeah, That's a Michael Newton idea. That's I was fascinated with Michael Newton for years about this idea that we, we trend, we, we go. And all it is is everybody's making the universe a bigger place and a more magnificent place. And we're just building, building, building all the time. And so we have to look in the long term in terms of yeah. not, what are we going to do in this lifetime? Or can we get, because, you know, being, um, you know, the Western society, we want everything yesterday, and realizing that this goes on forever, or people will say, you know, I want to escape the karmic wheel, I want to, you know, just get out there, whatever, Mm -hmm. and it's like, what are you going to do, sit on a beach for the next three billion years and drink Mai Tais, come on, Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody's building, that's what it's all about, I mean, you know, what is God going to take off Mm -hmm. and say, okay, I've had enough, you know, I'm going to, everybody, it's, and that's the whole concept of, of altruism that that's what the beings are doing they're helping us and we're mm. supposed to help the people below us and do what we're supposed to do yep. and it's it's not about rape pillage kill and steal it's about trying to make the world a better place
1: yes so from some experiences that i've worked with and even you know, even more than that channelers and other people i've come to an understanding that every sentient being wants to create something in its own image that as soon as you get that spark of sentience and yeah. like, so when we say the Elohim created us, right, which is from Sumerian scriptures, when we say the Lyran seated us, um, but if you keep going beyond that, the original source was the same thing. Source wanted to create something in its own image, and it's even in our own Bibles now. So I feel that that's what we're doing as humans, is we are creating in our image. And our, in our image is, happens to be computers, happens to be artificial intelligence, robots. And um, it's, and everything is neutral until, depending on the conscious level we're at. So we can utilize it in a positive way or a negative way. Yeah. But even if you look at a hard drive, what is a hard drive? We've literally created a dimension with information in it that's only wires and electricity, but it has data and word documents, you know? So <laughs> we are creating in our image at the dimension that we're able to do it at. So yeah. interesting.
0: Yeah, and and when you start looking at the ET thing, I always point out, you know, 1896, the the crash in in texas where you know and there was the airships flying around and they had propellers and sails and whatever and they said yeah. we're from mars and people went oh that makes sense and and you see that the it's almost like they're transitioning from one type of being to another or mm. the greys didn't appear until 1961 the reptilians till 1988 and you start seeing right. this, this idea it's just that that it's unfolding and that we create the good and we also create the good and the bad so yeah. we, whatever you have that's very negative you got to realize you're part of what you're creating. This whole concept that we have, we always have this victim yes. idea that we're here and these these things are attacking us, whatever. To us, and yeah. realizing that we are the ones that are building the universe, we are the ones that are responsible. And even if it's not true, yeah. if you take responsibility for where you are, you're going to make better decisions than if you see yourself as a victim.
1: Yeah, yeah. And since we have this, we're living within these li- limited bandwidth frequency that you know we can see certain frequency, we can hear a certain p- frequency range, smell only certain frequencies. It, it makes sense that there's probably so many more experiences beyond that that um, we need to be open to the fact that we could have chose to have many of these experiences that we're actually victimizing ourselves to now because of our limited perception. We're not able to see the grand picture of why this is happening or what we called into our life before we incarnated.
0: yeah. and and a lot of people that have the near-death experience or the you know near-death experience will realize that. They'll go, mm-hmm. oh, you know, like I, th- this was all intent intentional. That you know, I, I yeah, saw myself yeah. as a victim in the in the accident or whatever. Or there's this uh, uh, Nathan Castle, who mm-hmm. he's a he's, he has these dreams. He's a, uh, a Dominican uh, priest who gets yeah. these dreams. He's written three books on helping people cross over to the other side. Mm-hmm. And this whole idea where. They they come and they they see themselves as victims, but when they're on the other side, then they realize w- what was actually going on was that this was all intentional, and you're yep. going to live another life, and you're going you're just cycling through. And like everything else, because we we want to you know live forever, but we realize that it's all life and death, it's all cycling. That's how the universe works. And then if you realize you're part of this overall process instead of the ego, where it's all about me and and what I'm here for or whatever then uh, we, we start to make some progress. And uh, so I think we're, we're, we're in a situation, even if you look at a hundred years ago, we're in a situation where we're way ahead of the game. I mean, I point out even a hundred years ago, we thought everything was solid. It wasn't until 1911 yes. that we right. run the gold right. foil experiment and realized that it was all 9999999 percent space. Yeah. We, we, we we, are at this point now, we're starting to realize this non-locality and spooky action at a distance and all this kind of stuff. And then when you talk to people uh, that have these near-death experiences and say, I was here and I wanted to go there and I was instantly there. That's yeah. non-locality. That's this whole spooky action at a distance, where they're saying, "Oh, it only happens with uh, electrons." No, no, it happens with people too. And mm-hmm. and you start to realize that the these people that are the contactees are the people that probably have the answers. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just using your rational, analytical brain and reshuffling around a bunch of material that mm-hmm. you that you're getting conditioned uh from school or whatever it's these people are bringing the new material in or even where gary nolan talks about where the the guy that's doing the the dna stuff on the experiencers and the metal Mm -hmm. research whatever it's stanford he said it's the stuff that you want to look at is the five percent that's outside the curve that when Mm -hmm. you see the five percent that doesn't make any sense that's what you got to watch and that's what the experiencers are telling us they're telling us this weird stuff that when you start looking at it actually starts to make sense as to uh what's actually going on
1: right and we're just at the beginning phases of this understanding right now however we're seeing craft doing things that we're in the beginning phases of so if that craft is being reverse engineered in black um, budget programs or gets released to the public things that we're theorizing in quantum physics laboratory can take our technology hundreds if not thousands of years into the future right? And they have actually, so as you probably know, Newtonian physics and quantum physics are paradoxical to each other. Newtonian physics, um, but however, quantum world creates Newtonian world. So it's like, how does that make sense? And so they were able to do things like, um, you know, double slit experiment where two particles show up in the same place at um, different places at the same time. So it's almost like by location, right? And teleportation on the subatomic level. So they weren't able to do that anything above an atom until two years ago. They did something a hundred times the size of a hydrogen atom. They teleported it from one place to another place. So what does this mean? We have finally cracked the code of being able to do things in the subatomic world in the Newtonian world. So if if we're just at the beginning phases of that, if we linearly progress, we'll eventually get to doing it with spacecraft, doing it with human bodies, like Star Trek, you know. But I feel that we can get even further in the future if we have this disclosure of all this technology that's out
0: there. Yeah, we we have to have it have it open because otherwise, all they're going to do is is use it to strip the, the leaves off the trees twice as fast as we're doing it right now. Yeah, I mean, we, we it's, it's who's going to run the <laughs> the who's going to be in control of the, of this material? That's the part that scares me. Yeah, is that people are all big on this disclosure thing, uh, with the the Congress and that sort of stuff. But they got to realize that's all military. They're not going to investigate. Exactly. Civilian people, they're not going to, if if this suddenly the the message, they know the message, and I believe they know a lot of the stuff, like it's been around every nuclear uh, silo, yeah. I've been at a nuclear silo and talked to an experienced who told me what happened in the nuclear silo, when you, when you see that, are they going to tell you that they're telling us to shut the nukes down? Are are they going to tell us to quit polluting the planet? Are they? Yeah. They're not going to tell any of that stuff. There's no way because it's not in their vested interest. They just want this this technology, and that's where I think we may be a little bit off the track. Is that we're sort of relying on military people to give us disclosure, and if you see what's happened so far, they haven't told us a thing. We have not learned a single thing from. But they have hijacked the movement. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. So (laughs) they've got money now. Now they're they're all making instead of you know, they've got a few bucks. Now they're all making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to work on this thing. Cause that's when maybe what they did is they couldn't figure it out in the black world. They couldn't crack this stuff. And so they needed the white world. So they, put it sort of into the white world and then oh. all these people started contributing stuff and the black world picks up on it because you know what it's like in the black world it's all so compartmentalized nobody knows what's going on you got a piece of this you got a piece of that nobody's talking to each other and that's what you know, they keep saying is that they they were not able to back engineer this stuff because that is this consciousness interface to it so they need wow. to put it into the white world to get the white world scientists to give them the ideas but they're never going to release it it's all mm-hmm. it's all classified even with dr eric walker the first book i ever wrote dr eric walker said to us. We were saying, come on your old man, tell us what's going because he knew what was going on. And he said, look, why should we change the rules to satisfy your curiosity? You're just curious. Admit it. You're just curious. You're never going to learn. Give it up. You're never, you're never going to get the answer. And that's Whoa. this whole idea, this mentality they have is you just keep paying taxes, you just keep your thing and we're going to use this. We're going to save the country and we've got this stuff and everybody's got suitcases full of money and stuff like that. That's what I sort of see is the risk of what's going on now. Is that really nothing has been released? We heard this report and they it said it's all classified, all 144 yeah. cases were classified, and it's all in the black world. We didn't learn anything, and yet they now got a pile of money, and a lot of people are jumping on board with the Galileo project and all these things, and they're contributing all this material. And I guarantee you the black world people are sitting there just scooping up all the material and seeing, you know, somebody's going to give us material that we need to solve this problem. Wow. Yeah, I know it's just it's just so. A lot of people
1: are really wanted disclosure to happen so much so that they're jumping on the yeah. the whole military disclosure thing and a completely, you know, friends and colleagues of ours that are really into it. And it's because they, we waited for so long that now that we're getting just like a, a, a few breadcrumbs, people are jumping on it. But it's just suspicious from the beginning. Like the whole, and as you said, just being military. And even when Tom Zalong came out and he had that panel of people in his live stream on Twitter, all of them just happened to have left their jobs one to seven days earlier
0: yeah yeah
1: as if like because they can't do that unless they're not working from there but it was so obvious that it was almost like a complete ploy in order to basically be able to release this but they were coming across like they're civilians now and they just wanted the information out right
0: yeah and that's part of that's part of i actually have a book uh, the obama ufo files i'm just yeah. waiting for the foas the book is finished except for the foas i okay. found all the stuff on uh, all the different times obama talked about and stuff like that and i actually go through the you're exactly right that's exactly what happened the whole tom DeLong thing was that it was all orchestrated for example hillary clinton was the first to bring up uaps yep, in fall of 2015 she wanted to bring it on the Kimmel show and he didn't <laughs> ask her the question and you see all this sort of stuff and that the when lou alazando <laughs> resigned he resigned yeah. in the morning the meeting with the new york times with hell put off, New York Times, Leslie Kane, uh, Jim Semivan, all those people took place in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. You got to be retired. You can't be in the government. So it's the, the so obvious. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 they're doing. The, I, I guess because if you're a military guy, that's that's the, your world, and you're you're thinking yeah. you're saving the world. Everybody thinks they're saving the world, but I think that's where we have the I, the the thing where I bring up the stuff. Whereas there's this huge spiritual component. That the basic question is life after death what where yeah. did we come from where are we going because this is all just an illusion this is all just yeah. a video game this is all just a, a sort of a thing and because we're we're so um in the ufo field we're like the rodney danger field of all sciences so we don't get any respect <laughs> and people will yeah. do anything to get That's respect. so plenty
1: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: And, and they did just jump on this thing and you're going like, come on folks. I mean, and, and they, but, and that's okay. If they want, everybody has their belief, but when you ignore the experiencers yeah. who are actually the ones with the answers, that's the part that I, I, I see in my, that is my role is yes. to say, do you know what this person said? Do you know, what this person said, do you know, that these people are moving through space instantaneously and i've got yeah. like not one person i got 36 people and they're all telling the same stories and they're all right. basically telling you that this thing is this this non-local and it's all consciousness and and that's why they can't move the craft because it has a consciousness interface and and you can't turn it on unless you got the consciousness interface and 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 uh it's flown by that's how the people will say they when you ask them like this david guy i said you know okay tell me your story he said i think it's a dream i said yeah, tell me your story anyway so he starts telling me the story it's like they're reading off a cue card i went in the craft the craft was bigger on the inside than it was outside there was some beings and they they said go ahead and do it i put my hand on a panel they put their hand on a ball they put their hand on something and the craft was alive it was absolutely alive they became wow. one with the craft whatever they thought is what the craft did everybody says the same thing there's nobody has said anything different and you start hearing that and you realize this is i don't care if you call it anecdotal evidence this is very strong evidence that shows this is all going to be consciousness when you break Mm -hmm. it all down there's a physical component but the physical component is one that gets us in trouble of war and the male ego and you know the, the urinating contest and stuff like that yeah
1: exactly and like since we've been talking about near-death experiences let me do another plug for another event we got going on we're actually doing um an event on april 3rd called psychology evidence and science behind near-death experiences and after-death communication and that's a free event on portal to ascension it's a 10-hour event all day with some uh, amazing people doctors nurses um some scientists um therapists and experiencers of near-death near-death but what's happening now is actually Um, near-death experiences are actually being considered by the mainstream. Yale University came out with a whole research um, um, study on it just last year. And on CBS, there was this whole entire segment on NDEs. And I think they said um, it was like, let me think. I think it was one out of every 10 or one out of every five um, uh, near-death experiences, one out of every Experience of somebody passing away and then coming back to life in a hospital setting is a near-death experience where they remember other things, they visit someplace and they see themselves outside of their body. And that was on CBS, right? Yeah. So it's it's becoming um proven now that consciousness isn't just constricted within the brain, that it's actually a field that's outside of our body as well.
0: Yeah, I think that's where our our our, our disclosure comes. It's not that we're going to convince anybody. It's you put it out because I remember I wrote an article called the 64 reasons that decided not to tell you the truth. And one <laughs> of them was Stephen Greer's thing that the stock market yeah. would melt down if they ever announced the fact that they were actually working on this stuff. Right. And I used to believe that as well. And then what happened when the New York Times thing came out? Nothing. Nobody nobody panicked. Nobody jumped out of a window. And that's what's kind of happening now is that you and I tell stories. We keep telling stories, telling yeah. the stories. And the young kids all go, oh, you narrative know, the experience I've heard about that. And, and I was in the 70s when it first started. I actually wrote a paper. I actually did. When I started, I wrote a paper at the university on people dying. And I because it was a big thing then. And I went and did people ever predict their deaths? Uh, stuff like this, uh, near death experiences and and all the weird things that happen around death and people coming to take them across and stuff like that. And, and now it's basically it's going to be the same thing, almost like gay marriage or any of these sort of things. We are no different than any other social or political movement. We're going yeah, to keep yeah. talking about, it, talking about it, and talking about and talking about, and people are going to hear That's it and hear it, and they're going to go, I don't really have interest in that stuff. And then someone's going to say, oh, it's real. There are near-death experiences. People do, and everybody's going, yeah, I knew that. right. Really. The same as the New York Times article. Yeah. That's how things disclose. It's not going to be a move where suddenly everybody's going to panic and the story's going to be announced. It's a thing that gradually happens, and everybody's just going to suddenly accept it, and it's happened yeah. numerous times in history.
1: Right, and the same thing with extraterrestrials, right, and UFOs, yeah. is that, and what do you think about the whole concept of that, you know, this was coming out no matter what, and people like you, myself, many other people we know were pushing it to come out, even Steve Bassett was doing a lot of things that, um, you know, really put up a flag with Congress members and people who weren't even in the awareness of this all, and then all of a sudden they came in, they took over the hijacked the movement. Do you think that they maybe did that because they knew it was inevitable that was coming out and that they needed to get in front of the story
0: um i think there there could be a component to that that you're trying to get ahead of the story before yeah. it before it breaks but i think what what a lot of it was jim semivan actually said that they were behind this that and i that's why i wrote up in in the uh the obama book was that there was guys inside the government so it's the people always think like i worked at, at a university which was government and everybody thinks, well, you know, every year in the government, you know what's going on. No, you don't. There's like a million different departments and everybody's fighting for money. And you only know what your little job is. You don't know what your boss does. You don't know what, you know, uh, yeah. people all around you do. And so you had people inside the government who were very frustrated. And and Semivan was one of them. He had the experience in the 1990s with his wife. And the beings were in the room. And so they, he couldn't deny this thing. He knew. And he's, what's going on? He's asking. and And so you had people in the government who were just upset. And he actually said, they went to the government and they said, we are going to drop this thing. And he went to high level intelligence, he tells the story, He went to high level intelligence, said, we're gonna drop this thing. And they said, okay, fine, you know, wh- whatever. And and they forced it out because it was, it was, so it was interested people, that's why they retired. So they were interested people who wanted the answer out. So they, they sort of forced it out. And uh, so, but still the majority of the government, I think doesn't really know the black ops people that may know something are yeah. holding their stuff. But the vast majority of the government doesn't know anything. So I'll give credit to like John Podesta was one that was big behind this. He's the one that came up with the UAP. He fed Hillary Clinton the questions and, and, and met with these generals and stuff like that. And they were going to drop this thing, as I told in well the book I didn't publish. Uh, but I, I told this, I was being told in 2016, they are going to drop this thing. Chris Bledsoe was telling me this. He said, the big man's going to appear on 60 minutes, exactly what they did. Four minutes, four years later. Mm-hmm. And he said, they're going to high level people are going to come forward and they're going to say UFOs exist and they're going to do it. This is 2016, but because mm-hmm. Hillary lost the election, they had to postpone it for another nine months, but it was these people that were all retired, all were interested in pushing this thing out that moved it. And then everything has sort of moved along. And we we've gotten to this point where, Uh, It's out in the open now, I give them credit for that, and it's just whether we or the military control what actually goes on from here on in, and I think we still control it because uh, they're not going to look at experiences that are not interested in what experiences say and that sort of thing, they're just interested in military stuff, and the ETs have said that numerous times, if you go down the hardware route, you're in a trap, it's not about that, it's about understanding how does reality work, what's really going on, and this understanding that everything is made out of consciousness, the material world may be an illusion. It's mm-hmm. it's a dense sort of uh, form of consciousness, and we're creating it. And that kind of stuff. Uh, even Jim Semivan said, you know, can you go public with that kind of stuff? where you actually say to people, and they, see, they may use the same argument, oh, they go back to their priests, and they're, well, what are we going to do now? I don't think any of that's going to happen. They're going to go, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, i got to take my kid to soccer practice. Yeah. I don't care. Most people don't care. It's, it's going to be just generally accepted, but that's what saves us, is the fact that we understand the disclosure is to tell people who you actually are Who is your true essence. And that's, what's going to change the world where people are going to realize, Oh, I'm not just here to rape, pillage, kill and steal. I'm actually here to do Mm -hmm. something. I'm actually, you know, there's something and that's what changes the the consciousness. And I think we're pretty close to that now, thanks to what you're doing and what other people are doing. I think that that mentality is already there. If you ask little kids, they'll accept all the stuff we're talking about. They, no True. question at all. It's the old guys that are hanging on because they spent you know $50,000 a year to go to MIT and they, they yeah. simply don't want to know that they wasted their time and they got to take the cyanide pill. Those are the, the <laughs> secular scientists, I think, that are going to be most shocked by this whole thing because yeah. they're going to realize that the, all the stuff they were putting out was was basically wrong.
1: Yeah, exactly. And we're just at the beginning phases. That's why I'm hopeful. We're going to... A lot of things unfolding and I feel that we're going to be moving into a world that we are going to realize we're the creators of the reality. And the more we are aware that we're the creators of the reality, more we do it intentionally. And as we do it intentionally, we can be in a peaceful world where we treat each other with respect and compassion and we take care of the planet instead of destroying it. Yeah. That's what it's yeah. all about. Because we all
0: came mm-hmm. here for a reason and it was, it was a good reason that we wanted we wanted to help. We wanted to play the, play the game or whatever. And when we suddenly realize why we came here and the fact that we are here for a reason everything yeah. changes everything will shift and I think that's where where we got to go that you and I are, are doing the the job that we probably intended to do and uh yep. it doesn't really matter whether it happens you know two years after we die or whatever but we were part of the biggest story of all times so it's like we uh, if this you know Dolores Cannon thing the call went out and mm-hmm. we said yeah well we'll go in there we'll do that you know sure send me in you know and uh we that's that gives you the the idea that and people will all realize that we're, you know, we aren't, we aren't who we think we are and that uh, it's a very spiritual, Even I mean, I said the UFO thing, when I concluded it all, it's going to be a lot less physical than people think it's going to be way more spiritual than people think. And that's going to really piss yep. people off and it's going to be a thousand times more complex. And I say, it will not have even a hint of capitalism, it'll mm-hmm. be this idea where everybody's, you know, working on a purpose and it's not physical and stuff like that. So that's where I've seen, and I've yeah. come a long way from 1975 and with you know <laughs> the, the UFOs and stuff. And they, you see them, They're leading you slowly. It's yeah. not like they land on the White House lawn and tell you what to do. We're here to bring you freedom and democracy, Jesus and McDonald's. They, they're <laughs> just you know they're, they''re they're doing it slowly and they're taking people, and we've agreed to come in and do this. We've made these agreements. We come in, we we put the stuff out, and mm-hmm. gradually it, it moves along. And they may have done this on a thousand planets before. They know exactly how to move people to the next step and yes, and open this thing up. And I think it's because uh, you start seeing this, and you talk to people. You'll ask people who have the experiences. Did they did they get you to write the book? I always ask this question. Did they did they get you to write the book? yeah they kind of got me to write the book and you hear this it's like or they won't leave the per- people alone they won't let them sleep until they they write it down right. or they yeah. they talk and you hear these sort of stories is that these people have made an agreement and they've forgotten why they made the agreement or even uh sherry wild who you probably had on yeah where they where she was fighting with them and she said i'm not going to do this anymore sherry have you forgotten the promise that you made and that was yes. the book was called the forgotten promise oh, you made a promise that. to do this and so let's go and and you know people are are sort of motivated and uh, so i feel honored to be working with you and other people that we Same. you know we're on a team we may have had a meeting before we came in and said okay this is what we're going to do yeah. and you do this and i'll do that and uh, it gives you a sense of purpose and and a sense that that you're doing uh, what you came to do and there's no better feeling in the world than mm-hmm. than believing that you're you're actually helping
1: Yes, exactly. I mean, I'm having the time of my life doing what I do. You know, it's really yeah. fun. It's exciting. And I'm a very curious person and it's just unfolding layers of who we are as humans. Right. Yeah. And even yeah. beyond that, who we are as a galactic beings. The, the curiosity
0: is a big part as well. I always mm-hmm. said to me, it was, to me it was always like a chess game because I was very good at playing chess when I was a little kid. I probably yeah. could have become pretty good at chess, but I didn't want to lose. So I stopped playing chess. And um, so, but to me, it was always like a chess game. It's like, you know, you're sitting there watching the board and this piece moves, that piece moves, and you don't move a piece until you know why that piece moved. And I'm just trying to figure out, okay, what's going on here? And you're just trying to figure it out like a chess game. I'm not, I've got, you know, sort of no vested interest. I'm not trying to get anything. I'm just trying to figure this thing out. And it's like, as you, it's like an exciting thing where Mm -hmm. you're, you're curious. And, and, and when you, especially when you make a discovery, you can probably confirm this, that when you get a a download or you get a, a discovery where you go, yeah yeah, that guy, I figured it
1: out. You know, like, <laughs> the pieces are coming together.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that, there's no better feeling in the world where you suddenly, like the aha moment where it's like, Seriously. wow. And, and you hear people like Tesla, you know, yeah, where he has yeah. the alternating engine or or people when they have that that moment where they just like exhilarate and they run back and they're trying to write it down and they're just mm-hmm. like on, on this stage. And so that's where I think, you know, it may be us giving us the ideas. As you mentioned before, this idea that you get to a certain when you get to the to the level where you're at the veil the veil is very thin and you pop through like the, the yeah. you mentioned some but the one i always because I, I wrote a whole chapter in a book called inspired i went the whole thing about inspired where do people get ideas i wrote a whole chapter on this whole thing about the inventions that all came at the same time and the one was the telephone that graham bell filed in the morning as a woman filed the same patent in the afternoon mm-hmm. and people don't realize that these these things were all happening at the same time and you get to this level so it's not until you get to the level that it, you break through that they allow you to break through and everybody's breaking through at the same time. And we're right. at this, right. this understanding now about non-locality spooky action at a distance uh, consciousness. Cause I, I, I tell a story when I did the 2012 consciousness thing, when I had that download, mm-hmm. I remember Jerry Pippen was a very famous interview at the time said, grant, I cannot believe you've done this. I cannot believe you have given up the presidents and the United States and gone to this woo woo stuff and I said well Jerry hmm. I didn't really go there I got kind of teleported there and nobody <laughs> was talking consciousness nobody in the UFO community except yeah. the Colin Andrews was talking consciousness and now it's like even the people who don't believe in consciousness use it because they know it's a buzzword you better use this word And right. people are starting it's the shift in just in 12 10 years since I had that download the shift in consciousness understanding in the UFO community is absolutely massive totally yeah massive. yeah
1: yeah, and I know some like um, linear ufologists, if you can call them that, that have taken the shift into consciousness as of late as well.
0: Yeah, and, and yet I still think a lot of them don't understand. They just realize that there's some sort of component there. There's some sort of thing, but they really don't understand the true uh, essence of the thing, that it's going to be all consciousness. That That's mm-hmm. where you're not going to see the government people go, that's where we got to go, because they're just simply not going to say, guess what it's it's um it's 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 uh, not the world you think it is although there's a lot even you see the thing with the the whole um you know simulated universe and uh donald hoffman and, uh, you know, all this sort of stuff, there's piles of these people now coming forward, Robert Lanza, they're all writing these books. And these are <clears> top <throat> scientist people who are basically talking about this illusion idea yeah. that consciousness is primary and matter is a, is a derivative of consciousness, not the other way around. And you start seeing this, this shift and that's only in the last couple of years. So I think we're moving pretty fast and we'll see where it Definitely. goes. That's the only thing I think that really saves the world is that everybody comes to realize who they actually are. Yeah, yeah. We are not Americans, Canadians. We are individuals who have come and you're going to play uh, this role this time. You're going to play that role. The next time you're going to play this, you know, this race, that race, this religion, mm-hmm. that religion. And we are all one. And that, to me, absolutely is the number one rule of the number one message is oneness and understanding who you are. We are all yes. one and and there is no division.
1: Seriously. And even through mathematics now and science, we can prove our interconnectivity, right? Yeah. So yeah. we've already mentioned many different things within quantum physics that proves, you know, like for example that um, um, that our intention and attention on something has a different outcome than when we don't have an, our intention on it, which is a quantum physics thing. That basically, if a tree falls in the wood, does it make a sound? Well, if it's a subatomic tree, it doesn't. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like when we put our attention to it, it's almost like we literally create reality by focusing on reality right? It's been proven scientifically. So, and it's been called quantum theory for quite some time, but in my book, we these studies and these tests have kind of proven that this is a reality. So it's just taken a period of time for us to shift from this Newtonian linear understanding to really make this quantum world, the new understanding, the foundation that we move forward with. And as you said, the next generation, it's already their foundation. So what happens as we progress, we just continue to evolve. And I like the way you put it, that it doesn't have to be one big impact. We just slowly evolve and it's not even that slowly it's like a decade in a decade everything's different you know and the different components that are embedded in our new in, in education become the, the foundation of what we understand in our future right yeah. and that's what's happening
0: yeah even paul selig talked about um because he's done the 10 channeling books and not one word has changed except for the odd one where there's an s or he mispronounced something or something like that but he does the 10 books and he said that you, if you look at his, his channeling material, they never talk about science. And so he asked them. and they said, in a hundred years, none of the words you use in science will be used anymore. It's all going to be about vibration and stuff yeah. like this. <clears throat> we, even the language of science is going to change. and yeah. we don't realize it because it's happened we're in the present moment. We, we don't realize. but if you look back at what even three I don't know if you were there when the internet happened, but I remember before the internet. When we used to research with, with writing letters back and forth, where you sit there and wait two weeks for an answer and stuff like that, people <laughs> have no clue how fast things are, are changing in, in the world. Even the, And so you get the idea of the, the, um, the internet being the collective, and actually I've written a book about this as well that I call it the helping hand, the 11 things that were given to us. And one of them was a computer that if you look at the computer, they mentioned computer was like literally a download in 1950 to one guy sitting there. And then all the people doing LSD. It was all invented at silicon valley because they were doing the lsd there and all all that stuff was downloaded all the stuff for the computer you look at how the all this stuff and you look at it is this the collective unconscious it was this given to us to help us understand mm-hmm. the akashic record and also and you start yeah, to realize yeah. it's all consciousness and it's all connected that there is no there is no computer there's no internet it's just connecting consciousness together until yeah. there's a consciousness to program the computer or a consciousness to put the the material on or, a consciousness reading it it's just connecting all these consciousnesses together and you start to think like wow maybe this was all planned beforehand and it's all unraveling as as according to a plan that may have been done a thousand times before on other planets
1: yeah yeah and it is interesting because the internet is like a third dimensional akashic records you know and um it has information from this dimension but it also has people like us speaking about information from other dimensions so it's it's basically us creating something in our image our own version of the akashic records in order to disseminate information to the collective
0: yeah and the only thing we need now on top of that is what you what you get with the i want to do a a panel on um people who've had not near-death experiences but the life review because in the Mm -hmm. life review they show one of these things almost like the flying saucer when people flying the flying saucer i said the reason that story is important because if you're going to make up a story about being on a craft that's not something you're going to stick in the in the story. I flew the flying saucer. That nobody's going to believe that. That's like yeah. the limit case for credulity. If you can believe that, you can believe anything. I mean, what can't you believe? And and the same thing happens with the the life review that the people all describe. Not only do they see their life in every single detail, they see it from a third perspective of yes. the person that they influence and how that influenced their family and how that influenced the kids and it, it, the ripple effect all the way through. And when you see the akashic record where it's all linked, to that sort of stuff, you go like wow i mean yeah you just unbelievable complex how does that all be put together it's just unbelievable
1: that's so beautiful
0: yeah so let's uh maybe shut her down and i need some uh, some poems here
1: oh yeah i forgot all about yeah. that yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> that tell, give me a little bit of background on how you started this because okay. uh, it's called slam poetry right
1: yeah yeah so basically spoken word slam poetry used to be Performance-based competition poetry—that's what it used to be. Competing with people in the spoken word phrase, but now as time has progressed, slam poetry is now developed into the form of actually presenting it, which is like it's kind of like hip hop meets poetry, and then ins and outs, you know. And slam literally meaning that there's certain parts that slam and really resonate with you. So the way it started was 2000, 2001. I was writing poetry when I was 16 in 1998, uh, but it was just like super, just poems like. Where the yeah. dead and the dying lay you know like about world war ii things like that right yeah. and um and then when i went to college at 18 in 2000 at cal state fullerton i started researching the root of all religion and i started writing kind of sci-fi like spoken word pieces you know planets black holes ets wasn't aware of any of this stuff yet and uh, about a year later i started getting introduced to nassim Haramein, jordan maxwell william henry jim self and um then i started like really diving deep into spirituality and the Sumerian scriptures and the root of it all. Some of my first spoken word pieces were on the Anunnaki and Nibiru and the Sumerian tablets. And um, then I was getting deep into extraterrestrial awareness, consciousness, soon to get into UFO disclosure. So it can continue to progress. But most of them, if not all of my poems, um, really had the spiritual component because it was about who are we? What is that place in the universe? Why are we here? So I speak a lot about galactic things, galactic beings, extraterrestrials, um, wormholes, black holes, but it's always about the eventual goal for Ascension, right? So even I have like, I have things split up. Like I have an album called Intergalactic Album, which is like, I have it open right now, which is six songs specifically on Ascension in regards to our intergalactic connection, right? And I have like an album on astral travel, which is just a bunch of songs on astral traveling and two different dimensions and astral traveling to earth. I have one on planet earth, which is literally just songs about incarnating on earth, the cycles of time, having these different experiences and why we're here on this planet in the first place. So since then, from now, from then until now, I've created probably over 2000 spoken word pieces. And, wow. and then I was also into freestyle hip hop. So in 2001, 2002, I was a freestyle hip hop artist. Like, so freestyle is basically off the top of my head, rapping to beats, right? So wow. I'd be rapping about, you're getting know, out consciousness and and ets and then that progressed into spoken word and then i came back to hip-hop around six seven years ago and now i'm actively creating songs that are hip-hop out songs that are going to be on albums coming up in the near future so that's that's everything in in one right there
0: Uh, how do you have time all in the day for all the stuff you do
1: well you know these songs come to me within seconds i write it takes me a minute sometimes to write these songs um my number one song that you've heard many times and you filmed me on stage at the port Central conference remember that (laughs) that one was um the first spoken word piece i ever um performed in 2008 and i actually wrote it on a plane going to england and it took me about three minutes to write the whole thing and it's an epic ballad and thank god for the phone you know i was just like writing it on the phone really quick so
0: Unbelievable. I have to update you. I have to up, uh, update my tuned in book because I do a whole thing in tuned in okay. about the, the number of songs that came in under five minutes and uh, how many came spontaneous and <laughs> you'd fit right in there. You could be a whole chapter because that, that's, that's hilarious. Pretty, that's pretty, pretty common with uh, with musicians where they ask him where to come from or Neil Young, where do you get blowing in the wind? He goes, yeah, I don't really know. It made that wellspring of creativity, I guess. It's like came in under 10 minutes, you know, stories. That, and they were always the best song. Maybe you can confirm this. They, they always said it was never the B-side song. It was always the, the most famous song that they wrote was one of these weird things like Let It Be or, or uh, yeah, with the Mother Mary thing. That yeah. was, you know, big song. And that was a dream, dream that he had and stuff like that. It's always the big song. It's never a B-side song. It's their most famous song that comes in this very inspired way.
1: Damn. Yeah. Remember, you did the whole uh, presentation on Portal to Ascension too, the music one. I watched that like three times. Yeah, and
0: and and it it works well for me because I'm not a musician, so people can't say I got a vested interest. I could care less about music. So it's just I'm just so fascinated with the idea. It's like how how did this happen? How does this happen instantaneously? Yeah. You realize that there's well, maybe that's what it is. When when I hear that you get these stuff sort of spontaneously, then you realize there is a field. That the information, and I believe the, the information in the field is more accurate than the information in the conscious world. And the ability is to, to find you and the experiencers and people who have tapped into the field, who are getting the material, and that's where you're going to get the answers. It's coming out of the field where all the material is stored. Yes, exactly. And when you step out of the way, like I've had times where I've tried to write music. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: As uh, letting the inspiration come. And then I've cultivated now... An ability to go into a studio and write and still step out of the way and get into that flow state in a controlled environment you know yeah. And that's after 20 years of writing it it took me quite a while to get to that point where like because normally i would just i would have like months where i would write like one to two songs a day right wow. and then i would go like four or five months of not even writing because i would not do it unless i'm inspired and then now i'm at a point where i I feel like I'm directly connected that I could just like if I wanted to I could put on a beat right now and just close my eyes and then something will just come out
0: wow yeah and that's that that is the way it works like in, in the inspired book I I talked about that uh inspired principle is that you'd get guys who are working on a uh uh problem like the hologram was one and the laser was the other one and they worked on it worked on it worked on it. they couldn't get it and then they went and both of them were sitting on park benches watching one was watching waiting for a restaurant to open and the other was watching a tennis game and they sat down on the park bench and relaxed and all of a sudden boom the idea came in their head and they yeah. were racing back to the lab to write it down it's that moment of getting out of the way that 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 allows the, the veil to open or trauma trauma is another one yes you, have a, you know a near-death experience a head injury or whatever mm. and that rips the field and and you're in the field and you bring the stuff back so
1: yeah 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 and i know a lot of people that are poets that only can write when they're sad you know <laughs> so it's like when you're at that deep emotional state right i know a lot of people like that actually and yeah. then they'd have writer's block and we'd have conversations about it because i know lots of poets and yeah. then they would be like they would have writer's block when their life was good you know because uh-huh. like when they're sad they got that deep emotion of, and then they're reflecting yeah, yeah. on their position not only in their life but the position in the universe, what am I? What is going on right now? You know, that yeah. depressive state almost. So, yeah. so I'm, I'm blessed to, to be able to write even when I'm actually happy. <laughs> <laughs> but you could tell some of these poems, like some of my old school ones, when I was kind of sad and depressed, it was like, like why are we here on this planet? Why are we running around like rats? You know, that kind of feeling.
0: Yeah.
1: All right. So I'm going to do this. Okay. So this first poem here is called Fragmentation. And this is about um, basically the fractalization from source. So it goes into three parts. It's the void, the darkness, and the light. Here we go. Fragmentation. In the beginning, there were no words, no concept, no winning, no place, no time, no description, no label, and no finishing. Until awareness became conscious of itself. Separation from the source. No East, no West, no South or North. Not to mention there never existed a dimension or ascension or physical lessons, except for the zero point. There was no Christ to anoint. Singularity, energy, frequency, raised vibrationally, paradoxically into limitation of what only the five senses can see. No linearity, no anarchy, no galaxies, no nebulae. No jobs, no nature, no materialism, and no political lies. Until darkness finally fragmented from the light. Using free will to see through the night. The darkness... I take the anxiety pill, full of fright. In my bed, insecure from the conspiracy that might take over my mind, control me with a chip inside, scared and full of fear. That is the reason why we are here. To the star system Arcturus, I stare. I recite my cosmic prayers. Self-empowered, the fabric of victim consciousness, I tear the light. You see, the destination has already been chosen. It's the journey that counts. Every day we transcend no doubt, living in the now. Realizing it's all a projection of a co-creation of our own subconscious mind, channel energy through the heart, remembrance of the divine, take apart my ego and restart my life in any moment. I'm going home traveling across the black intergalactic ocean, took the psychedelic potion and now I'm awoken to the streets we take the spoken word. Fly high, levitate the God inside, I'm free like a bird, cosmic oneness integrating in my being, a full spectrum being in alignment with the purity confined in, ranges of frequencies inhibit what we are seeing. I shift what I choose to believe in fuel my light body for the ether I'm fiending.
0: Wow. (laughs) Fragmentation. (laughs) That is so (laughs) profound. Unbelievable. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I I, I just, just, it, it, there's something about when you do poetry, it's just like, oh, wow. It's just like, just mesmerized by, and the, the message is there. And, um, it's got to be coming from from source i mean it's just wonderful stuff thank you brother all right
1: so i'll do like a a few more here yep three more okay so this one's called time has slowed down time slowing down time has slowed down or is that perception of the now creating ripples overcoming obstacles abundance flows the end is close which only means there's a new beginning spinning like a black hole's event horizon as my chakra points awaken and widen a solar flare that inspires all men and women to inhale the ether into each of their pores inside of the physical cells that rely on oxygen and a natural amount of rest i will forever rhyme until i take my last breath i said time is slowed down or is that perception of how we exist in a matrix of disavowed humans searching for the next cash cow. I'm the sacred cow, worshiped at the top of the mound, spinning around, milk and honey to those who hear the sound as your chakra points awaken and your soul is found. Sun gaze to receive praise from this maze we find ourselves in to the collective cellular membrane ancestry passed down to your kin. DNA strands and unwind and bend and dissipate upon death. I will forever rhyme until I take my last breath.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. <laughs>
1: Okay, this one's called the source. The tunnel shines bright light of frequencies quantum realities that I step into by breathing the ether Starbursts from the galactic center disperse newly recycled matter to the ends of the galaxy where resides all of humanity. Looked at from a distance, this infinity symbolizes consistency, everlasting mentality, consciousness gravitationally inclined. We see so many stars in front of our eyes. Gives the black hole as disguise, pulls us closer to the origin slowly because we just begun the cycle once again. It's time to begin this cycle once again. The tunnel shines bright light of spirituality, descended from interdimensional energy. Love is the only thing we hold as reality, but egotistically drawn to fight struggles, find a balance and juggle my higher and lower selves, destruction, corruption. Through sin, we observe the infinite end of a universe within. Love for myself has allowed me to befriend all in existence. We all came from the stars, Aryan bloodlines from Mars. We do not have to travel far to find the balance within so we may love ourselves and all other creatures and humans. And this one's a good one to end it on because it's called Rejoin the Galactic Federation. <laughs> <coughs> All right. And then there was one. Life untangled, rhyme is undone. Life source drained, vanity explained, following those with fame, always fight and complain. Answer remains the same. Control with borders and locked up and enslaved, riding the quantum wave through awareness. We are saved. Ascend and fade away or live for today and don't play games or get erased from this place. One face unity of race consciousness explained end of human reigns galactic alliance remains our true cosmic place amongst the stars in space aware now in case reincarnation takes my next life away so ascend and pray not for monetary gains but an escape from superficial ways life is just a phase that will one day be replaced by pure energy and an entirely new intergalactic race
0: wow You you are a symbol of creativity and inspiration.
1: (laughs) Wow! Thanks, brother.
0: I wish I I wish I had uh, known all this before I did the book Inspired because I would have put it in there and it's and in tuned in because that those were the books that that's what I was doing in those books is exactly what I see with you is this just you go like wow how is this happening almost like the the technology whatever is something going on there that's not normal and and. If you can figure out what it is, it's going to be very helpful for mankind. So I I Mm -hmm. appreciate you doing that, and for me because it's uh, I'm a big fan of uh, of your poetry, and uh, I I can't say enough about it. So we'll we'll promote it out there. So um, again, let's uh, and I'm supposed to be speaking at one of the conferences. Which one is that?
1: So Portal to Extension Conference, April 15, 16, 17. It's the three-day annual one. Yeah, and. And and no, you're not traveling. But in 2023, we're doing a live conference. So just throwing it out there, if you're going to travel yeah. in 2023,
0: well, we'll see. They, we still have yeah. the ho- trouble, with Homeland Security guys that um, yeah, I know, right? Are playing their their game of stay out of our country. And but anyway, we, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But um, you, you, these are the big conferences. So let, let's end with that. Is these are the ones that go for days. And and yeah. I don't know how you sit there for that many sessions but it goes on day after day after day and these are all um the ones that are online are basically a donation site and yeah so we'll go through a little bit about that and who might be um Is that
1: that one coming up Yeah, all right i'll pull that up really quick here all right so the next the port of the conference we did in 2018 2019 live and grant was at both of them in irvine and now, and then since then we've done it online. The first one that we did during the world situation was five days, which was intense. And that actually, after doing five days, I realized I don't want to do another five day conference because <laughs> I was drained. Do you know the adrenaline that you need in order to be yeah. present for five days? Yeah, Imagine yeah. the crash from that on the sixth day. That's yeah. what I experienced, you know?
0: Yeah, that's so, right. I could hear yeah. how you do that.
1: <laughs> so, so now it's three days. It was four days and now it's three days. Um, and this is April 15th to 17th and we have 33 presenters. We have seven MCs. It's three days, and I'll just mention a few people who will be there. Uh, Sheila Seppi, who I work with quite often, walk-ins and hybrids. Um, Deborah Juicy is doing the Ascension panel. Of course, Grant Cameron's going to be there. Carolyn Corey, um, Shreya Dharma. We have Dr. Sharnel. Um, so this is a full-range awareness event. Um, consciousness, nutrition, uh, vibrational therapy, uh, extraterrestrials, UFOs, like It's just portal to ascension. Why do I call myself the platform portal to ascension? Because all things are within it. If we're ascending right now, every single thing is a part of this. So it's a really fully encompassing event. We have Mary Rodwell is going to be there. Uh, Robert Schwartz, who is a researcher on near-death experiencers. We have Valerie Tingini, who's a new presenter, who talks about Kundalini. Uh, We have sound healers such as Vox Angelus. Stephanie Redfeather, Geraldine Roscoe, Phil Gruber, Elizabeth April, who's pre- become pretty well known the last few years, she's gonna be there. Flo Karuna, who um, um, has something called Starseed Codes on Instagram, um, does a lot of awareness for Star seeds. We have a few different sound practitioners. Shima Moore is gonna be doing astrology. Sandra Walter will be there. And also another individual named Paul Moreland who goes by Blue Pill on um, Instagram, that's also um, new to the circuit of speaking. So there's gonna be a good, like, you know, half the people are gonna be people that, you know, we worked with before, but this is also event to introduce people to a lot of new people, especially a lot of people that actually became um, really blossomed during the last two years because everything went online and they started sharing their content. So I'm now having an opportunity to feature many new people as well. So it's gonna be a fun event, three days, two panels. We have the panel on Ascension, that we have an experiencer ET UFO panel on Sunday, and if you're free for that grant, I'll yeah. let you know an email. Yeah. Come to the panel too, yeah. and then it's going to be 10 to 11 hours a day, just nonstop back to back awareness. And the whole intention for the event is to infuse this timeline with consciousness. You know, so it's going to be exciting. Wow. Everybody gets unlimited replay access. You can sign up on our website to go to the Zoom room or YouTube.com/slash Portal to Ascension to watch it on
0: YouTube. Wow, you you just you just amaze me. Um, I guess the one more last question is with the COVID thing and everybody going to Zoom. Has that actually worked to your benefit? Yes. So, because <laughs> um, you were the only guy early doing this, and then suddenly everybody <laughs> was forced to go and do this.
1: <laughs> you know the right questions to ask because, um, all right, so I'd been on Zoom for five years and I'd already created an online university. So when everything happened, my attendance went up three to five times per event. Wow. And then um, and they haven't stopped and it continues to grow. And then also a lot of com- organizations that did their conferences live, like the International Near-Death Conference, um, Ancient History Conferences, they all had to go online. But instead of doing it online themselves, they came to me and I started doing their events. Uh, for example, MUFON, I've been doing all the MUFON Orange County events for the last month, year and a half online. So, so like, I think, I think you might've spoke at one of them in the last year and a half.
0: Yeah. 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 Orange County I did. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that was on Portal to Ascension. I think we connected there. And so like, I've been able to help a lot of organizations that would have gone out of business or would have just not done their event for two years by moving it to Portal to Ascension and producing it for them. So that's also assisted with my overall business plan and, and creating a lot of collaborations too.
0: Yeah. And you already had the base, you had the the numbers and stuff and the contacts and stuff. So, yep. Beautiful. Thank you, Neil. I appreciate very much. And anytime you need me to chip in with a presentation on stuff, because I've, I have a whole series of books coming out here and uh, willing to help you and uh, appreciate what you've done for me and what you've done for the community and for the world. Thank Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Okay. We'll be in touch. All right, brother. Okay.